You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hey, Dolphins, this is Michael Fink with the uh, FinFans Podcast. Each week we come to you and bring you our opinions on what's going on within the Dolphins organization. During the season, you'll hear two shows each week where we review and preview each game. We shoot straight from the hip and have fun in doing so. We'd like to thank both the Dolphins Talk Network and the Pigskin Podcast Network for their support. Uh, Make sure to check them out. It's truly appreciated. All right, let's uh, kick off today's show. And it's another FinFans podcast. I'm here this evening with Ryan Norwood. Hey there, Dolphins. And Daniel Reinhardt. What up, FinFans? Big day, right? We hired an offensive line coach today, huh? Whoop, whoop. That a good thing or not? Well, I don't know. It depends on who you listen to. Uh, we'll talk about it in a minute. First, let's talk about Vic Fangio. What what kind of impact do you guys think he's going to have with our defense? Because, I mean, it's a complete change in philosophy, right? We're used to being a man defense, and he prefers zones, and uh, it should be different. Do you think our players will adapt and excel? I see it kind of as a positive because we have an aging corner in Xavier Howard, we're kind of weak in the secondary because Brandon Jones got hurt. You got Nick Needham, who may be coming back from a torn Achilles. You know, these guys are not going to have the same speed and agility that they need to play man. So I think changing to a zone defense is going to be a benefit for them. You still got to be able to run. You do, but at least in the zone, you know your spot, and it's more about reacting than it is keeping up and mirroring. Yep. Yeah, I mean, one of the best things about Fangio is he's known for for being able to adapt, uh, his ability to adapt, use the strengths of the guys that he has on his team. I think that's going to be something that's going to be really beneficial to us. Obviously, we've struggled for a while at, at the linebacker spot. That's one of the, the places that he really brings out the best in these guys. And his defenses have always been uh, consistently ranked in the top in the top of the league. So uh, he is a vet with a lot of experience. He's the one thing more than anything else that I'd look at is how complex some of his defensive fronts are. And some, of the th- some of the mm-hmm. things that he does on the defensive side. I mean, he's known for throwing multiple things at an offense. That makes it hard for them to prepare. So we're going to be looking at the guys on our defensive side being able to prepare. You know, you got the guys like Channing Tendall who have already, we've already kind of heard this offseason. He struggled to get with the playbook of Boyer. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of complex schemes that Fangio brings over. Regardless of if it's zone or man, we got to be able to learn them and we got to be able to implement them and we got to be able to, to use the strengths that we have. So I'm looking forward to Fangio being here. I'm super excited about it. I'm glad, uh, you know, we talked last week that it was down to us in San Francisco. I'm very glad that, that we have secured that man and given him the bag. Yeah. Well, they definitely paid for it, right? Four and a half million a year. Yeah. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's almost head coach money. So uh, they, they treated him well. Hopefully he does the same for us. Yeah. It's one of the things, you know, there are several things we talk about with Stephen Ross. One of the things you can't ever complain about is the man opens his wallet. You know, look at the facility that we have down there in South Florida right now. Look at um, him spending money on Fangio and all the other times that he does that. So uh, good on him for for pulling that trigger, pulling that checkbook out, and signing his name to the bottom. Uh, I'm excited to have Fangio. Are you excited to have Butch Berry? You know, so here's 
I said this on the page today. Everybody hates this signing, uh, this hire. I saw and, what you said. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so that just means, obviously, he's going to be great, right? Um, but we're already kind of hearing things about his tenure in Denver, uh, how the players hated him, how he was you know, leaving notes on the lockers instead of having the conversations with guys out. I read something a little while ago that said that, uh, you know, they applauded in the team meeting when they'd heard he was fired. I don't know about any of that stuff. What I do know is that he used to work with McDaniel. He was an assistant on, on that team a couple yeah. of years ago in San Francisco. So there's for under Chris Forrester, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the one and only powdered Chris Forrester. Yeah. Uh -huh, um, yeah. But, so, you know, there's some familiarity there. He knows what type of scheme that, that Shanahan always ran and the McDaniels trying to run. He's known for the wide zone offensive scheme. At least that's what he's done. Um, and so I'm, I'm hesitant to make a judgment on it only because I don't know ish. And, and these coaches, uh, McDaniel in particular is a guy that I, I really want to trust. CK Parrot on Twitter posted a couple of charts on uh, uh, run win block rate and uh, pass win block rate. And uh, Denver last year was fourth in uh, run block rate at 74%. And they were ninth with the pass block rate at 62%. So somebody had to be doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you're going to hear a lot about how many sacks they gave up last year. But if you really look at it, they lost a couple of really important pieces on that offensive line in Denver last year. And yes. additionally, Russell Wilson didn't do them any favors running around in the pocket with his head cut off. I'm not going to make any judgment call on this. I can't say that I'm excited just simply because of the attitude around the hire, but I am not um, ready to say this guy's going to be crap. The only thing that's concerned to me is the players hated him. You know, I, that concerns me because you really don't want that type of friction in the locker room. You know, you want, you want the players to believe in their coaches. Yeah. And the one thing I'd really be interested to see that I did, I did not was where they stood as far as like the pre-snap penalties and all of the miscues as far as that's concerned, because really that's one of the things that killed us the most. Along the offensive line last year, I thought the guys played a really, really good season, played really well all season, and that really killed us. So if we can get some of that figured out, uh, be a little bit more disciplined and, you know, get anywhere near those win rates you just talked about, then we have a chance to improve on that line. What are you thinking, Ryan? I'm thinking with the penalties like you're talking about, you know, it takes time to learn offense. These guys are, especially in our offensive line, you're talking about two veterans and three other guys that have been in the league for a handful of years. So they got to learn and it's a new scheme. We get all that. As far as this coach goes, you know, kind of like you said, Mike, if players were, you know, not liking him and cheering when he got fired, that's not a good sign. But if there's one thing we've learned, it's that Mike McDaniel, you know, he's not a dumb guy. He knows this guy. He's coached with this guy before. I don't think he's going to make this hire without a plan in place and without an understanding, especially because the other name that was kind of floating out there for us was Mike Munchak. And I think anybody would be happy with that guy getting, you know, picked as our offensive line coach. But in comes this guy, you know, he got fired uh, when Denver decided to fire the whole staff and let everybody go. And 
like Daniel said, you know, it's you can't really make a decision until you start seeing things. Okay. Yeah, and the only other thing that I'd I'd add is we talked a lot last off season about the difference in a coach between liking them and respecting them. Right? We had the conversation because of Brian Flores. So here's the thing for me. Some of these guys cannot necessarily like him, but if he shows them that he knows what the hell he's doing and he helps improve them, if their technique gets better, if their blocking angles get better and we start having a running game that people can fear and we win football games, then they'll respect him and everything will fall into place. You also have to factor in who's running the ball at the same time. Denver has, you know, really, really solid young running backs. Whereas I don't think we have anybody but Salvan Ahmed under contract right now. And even he is a restricted free agent. Yep. We got to do something there at uh, running back. There's no doubt about that. Maybe they bring a couple of guys back. We'll see. Uh, That'll all take care of itself. But regardless of who's running the ball, the offensive line has to to win up front. And, you know. Because you're not going to have a successful run game with a bad offensive line. You certainly are not. And as I'd said, you know, they played pretty well last year, but that pretty well is just kind of in comparison to what we've been used to, right? They still were not an elite offensive line. So Yeah, they, they were in yeah. the 20s still. They, they were not where they need to be. Right. Exactly. You, wanted a, you wanted above average offensive line, and they were not above average. Mm-hmm. Yep. Only in like sacks allowed. Right, they were above average there, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's because Tua threw the ball, and you know, point <laughs> two seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, all right. So we talked about that, and uh, the next thing on my list here is, and this is this is an interesting question, I think. But what did we learn about Mike McDaniel in year one? I'll let you go first on this one. Both the good and the bad. Okay, good and bad. Good and bad. All right. Do uh, you, you want me to go first, Daniel? Yeah, because shoot, Ryan. Right. Go. So this guy, he was sold to us as an offensive genius, and I think we saw a lot of growth in our offense, a lot of growth in Tua. You know, whatever anyone might think about him, he played some really, really solid football for a stretch for us, and I think that is a direct impact from Mike McDaniel. He had, he had good and he had bad. He did. Yeah. There was all, you know, he, like I said, he had that stretch of really solid play. Then he yep. followed it up with a stretch of what the hell are you doing? Exactly. And that's part of the bad of Mike McDaniel. And I don't necessarily want to say it's bad because he is a young coach. We're going to, you know, I say this all the time. He has to learn his position. He has to learn to adjust. He has to learn to fix things in game as opposed to following a script. It's like they say, you don't know what you don't know. Well, now he's learned what he doesn't know. So he should improve on it. We would hope so, and that's yep. kind of where we're going to go in the next year is, can he improve on that? I This goes back to the Vic Fangio thing. You know, He's bringing in somebody with a lot of experience, somebody who's been a head coach, somebody who's been around for a long time, and Mike McDaniel has problems with time management. He has problems getting play calls in. Can these guys come in and mentor him in that position and help him to grow? Yeah, I, I think he can fix it himself. I don't think he really has to be mentored. I just think it's the process, you know. I think he's leaving too much uh, to think about in between plays. He's got to be. He's got to have. He's got to be more organized. Is really what I'm trying to say. He does, and uh, then you also have to factor in we had three different quarterbacks starting games. Absolutely, and absolutely. I, I can't remember where I saw it, but I saw a stat that when two was on the field, 
you know, the play call got in and spat out real quick. Whereas when Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater were in there, it took a lot more time. Yeah, well, because uh, they probably didn't have <laughs> their stuff together. Right. You know, they didn't understand the call or whatever the case is. Yep. So, uh, I, I guess if there's one thing I want to see from McDaniel this year, it's just better organization and uh, a better process with time management because our time management was horrible. Absolutely, Absolutely. horrible. You know, really bad. And, you know, I say that, but, uh, you know, I, I, it was probably as bad as I've ever seen. So. It was kind of amazing how bad it was. I mean, there's 10 yeah. seconds left on the play clock, and these guys are just breaking the huddle. Yep. Yep. And not just that, but just, you know, their two-minute time, you know, or four-minute offense and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know, just none of it seemed in sync, and none of it seemed uh, cohesive. There were spurts, and, you know, again, when the offense was really kicking, where you had pre-snap movement, you had guys, you know, you had the defense showing what they were going to do, and that's when everything worked, and that's when we had time. But then you had these periods where you have no time, you can't really do anything, and then if you try to do pre-stop movement, you're getting penalties for right, false for starts. Motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we were top three, first or second, I think, in pre-stop movement this year. For me, uh, the one thing, so <clears throat> it goes hand in hand, so... For me, what I learned about McDaniel in year number one was he is really team first and empowers his players. And part of that went into my really big takeaway, and that was that he can really bring out the best in Tua, that he has the ability to bring out the best in Tua. That was one of the biggest question marks going into the year, and granted, we're still not sure we have it answered for a litany of reasons, but the capability is there. He had Tua playing at an elite level for a stretch. Week 12 or 13, Tua was an MVP candidate. We were being talked about in the same breath as a Super Bowl, which we haven't had in a really long time, and we know how the season ended. But that was my biggest takeaway from McDaniel in his first season as our head coach, and it's obviously got me excited for the future regardless of the long-term Tua stock, or, or however you want to say that. That's a whole conversation for a whole nother podcast. On the flip side of that, for me, uh, it kind of goes right in the same vein of what you guys was talking about. It was the game management from the sideline stuff, the stuff yep. that you don't get an opportunity to learn until you are on the right. firing line. Right. You know, Trial, um, trial by fire. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff... There's no way he was going to be able to experience it until he was experiencing it. And he struggled. And to your point, the clock management was so bad that, I mean, that's literally what cost us our playoff game. It wasn't even the fact that Skylar Thompson was in, which I agree. we had chances. And if Thompson was a little bit more effective, we could have still won that game. But it come down to clock management in the end. and. That's the one area that I'll be watching intently uh, as games progress early in the season next year. How does he change that aspect of his coaching? How does he handle this stuff from the sideline? He's got to get better with the clock management. He's got to get better with the play calls getting in, and he's got to get better with the challenges. So those are the things. 
does it concern you guys that this was a problem the entire year long? Like it seemingly got worse as the season went on. Yes, because you would have expected him to address it sooner and and them to work out a solution quicker than they obviously did because they didn't. Mm-hmm. So you know it 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 did concern me, but I'm not. You know, I'm not to the point where I think it's a major problem, but it definitely has to be better next year. He cannot have an offense that that cannot function properly. You know, they've got to get out there. They got to have the play. They got to get lined up, and they got to do it in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'll also say yes to that, with the caveat of it being an offense led by a seventh round rookie who wasn't expected to play, right? So N- not always because there were issues when two was on the field. Not always. You're right. Some of the clock, but the play calling towards the end of the season, getting in, getting out of the quarterback's mouth mm-hmm. in the huddle effectively. A lot. I think a lot of that had to do with the situation, but it did get worse during the season. I didn't see a lot of it in the beginning of the year. I think, Halfway through the season, when we had our our check in, like at the bye week or whenever it was, how are we doing? What have we noticed about McDaniel? There was kind of one of those. Oh yeah, by the way, it looks like he's struggling a little bit with with the the time management thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a a huge point for me in that conversation. And then after that is when it was really uh, evident moving forward. So. Yeah, with with their rotating quarterbacks, it doesn't make it any easier. Uh, There's no doubt about that. But well, and linemen and stuff too. Yeah, yeah, there were linemen that went down. There was, I mean, injuries hit us hard this year. There's no two ways about that. We'd like to throw a shout out to DraftKings for sponsoring our show. And uh, here's a little message, and we'll be right back. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time to see what prop bet will be boosted. Looking forward to the game, guys. Uh, I like Kansas City, and I'll I'll be looking at the odds as we get closer to the game, and uh, uh, that would probably be my pick. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet just $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right. If you're Chris Greer, what is your number one priority this offseason? Well, I've got a, a slash. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thinking about this. I knew you would. It's the it's the same thing every year, man. It's the offensive line. Um, Austin Jackson is not it. <laughs> He's not it. Are you sure? I'm sure. Because they're not sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, he's not it. And... The guys that they brought in did a good enough job to keep us held together, but it was like rubber bands and Elmer's glue, right? We He needs to find somebody on the other side of Armstead who's going to be a linchpin. Now, I don't know how he's going to do it because my slash is the salary cap going into this offseason. Without the raise in the salary cap, which is always expected, we were like $7 million under. and. 
I don't know how he's going to finagle that salary cap to make it all work. There are a lot. We've are, they have magic ways. They you know, they do. Re, you can restructure Tyreek Hill. You can restructure right. Bradley Chubb. You can restructure. You restructure, can do all that, but then you just push it down the line and you make well, it exactly. worse later. So yes, but, but, but not that's, that's, as much as it would be this year. That's so, the way it works. I'm just yeah. saying that's going to be one of his biggest tasks this offseason. Because we already talked about the fact that we don't have a running back currently. So we have guys who are role players on this team that we have to resign. Or we have to find replacements for. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, and, and kind of going off that, my biggest fear is that they you know, plug one hole well, another leak starts popping up. What's like your I mentioned number earlier, one priority if you're Greer? It's you got to build the defense, in my opinion, because you've got guys who are on the defense aging. You don't want to sink all your assets into one side of the ball, and then your defense falls apart like it did again this year, and you're giving up thirty or forty points a game. So for me, you can't have enough cornerbacks. (laughs) You can never have enough cornerbacks. You can never have, and especially in a pass happy league. um, I know Daniel mentioned linebackers earlier. We need a linebacker. Yep. Seemingly the only part of the defense that we can trust is the front four. And we got to make sure that they are happy. Christian Wilkins is happy. Mm. (laughs) Jalen Phillips is there. Bradley Chubb is there. I mean, are we going to resign Ogba? We don't know. You've got a lot of guys up there and not much behind them. Right. What's your biggest Chris Greer priority this offseason, Mike? Uh, that, that would be, I can't say, it would, it would not be well for people's ears. <laughs> <laughs> well. He, he needs I'm, to get his head out of his backside. Okay. Okay. It, it, give me some more. I, I, what does that mean to you? Well, there's going to be a couple of shows devoted to just that. Well. Uh, once lose back, there's no doubt that Chris Greer will be a uh, a hot button topic. It is a hot button topic, and and we want to be fair in our analysis, but uh, it's not, it's going to take some time. Yeah. So and I I I didn't get a chance to send this to you, so you may want to save this, find it, and save it. There was a graphic of the Super Bowl teams and their starters. And right. w- where they came from, rather yep. it was trade or draft, and you look at what Howie Roseman and the Eagles have done. Yeah, he did an amazing job. Yeah, with that he team. did. That's a that's a great little graphic. So w- we need to put that as the background on Lou's computer when he comes back <laughs> for the Chris Greer conversation. Okay, so a couple of quick things here. Sean Payton went to Denver. Any thoughts on that? Why That's are right. you trading? Why are you trading first round picks for? A coach, I mean, I don't think it's necessary. Well, you know, way back when we did lose a first-round pick when we got Shula. We did, but, I mean, there's so many guys out there that I feel if you sign, if you hire a guy that you believe in, you don't need to trade a pick for him. You can use that first-round pick to build your team. Well, here's where I'm at with that. And as if you believe that Sean Payton is the reason for the, the Saints' success over the years, and it wasn't just Drew Brees, it was Sean Payton doing what he did for Drew Brees. If it wasn't all those assistants, it was, it was Sean Payton. Then you hit accept on that trade button every day of the week, twice on Sundays, and then again next year if you have to. 
I'm with you, Daniel. The first round pick is nothing to give up if it's the right coach for your organization. Absolutely. If he can do anything close to what he did for Breeze for the the Russell Wilson that we seen last year, and he can bring that team together because they have a lot of talent, man. Let's just face it, they do. And a coach like Peyton is going to be very imperative for them in the division they're in, right? So that's another thing you got to think about. You can't just bring in any old you know, any old coach like they did, they had last year and think that they're going to come in there and succeed. You got it. You got Patrick Mahomes and, and you got, you know, the golden haired sunshine boy out there in LA. Yep. You got to have somebody who's going to lead your team. So a, a first and a second, you know, for Peyton and a third, I, I think that's a home run for them. I really do. Um, Assuming it works. Time will tell. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But, you're getting a Super Bowl winning coach who, you know, most winning coach in Saints history, for what that's worth. Yep. And a yeah, guy they, who knows what the hell he's doing. Well, they thought they got that last year with their quarterback, and it didn't work. So, again, no, it's it got to work. Yep. Well, that's part of the reason he was brought in, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Brian Flores to the Vikings as defensive coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Flores. I, yeah, I'll tell you what, I think that's a great move by the Vikings. That's an honestly. absolutely great move. He is a very, very smart defensive coordinator. He knows what he's doing. Their offense is good. Their defense is not as good, and uh, he, he, can, he can help them, and uh, that may be a great move, and, and you know, once all said and done. Yeah, uh, see- we'll see. I mean, look, he was interviewed by three or four teams to be their DC. He was a head coaching candidate in Arizona. I Pittsburgh was okay last year, uh, but they weren't the best defensive team in the, like, I don't know. Um, well, he was a linebacker coach. He, you know. yeah. he was. And, and the linebackers were, you know, middle of the pack as far as yep. I was concerned. Well, right? you know, we'll see. The old saying, right. Can't make uh chicken salad out of chicken shit. So <laughs> at least this year, he's going to be calling that defense on his own. There's no Josh Boyer. There's no, uh, you know, Belichick, there's no question it's him or it's not him. Right. Can't make chicken salad out of Brian Flores either, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure you can't. Brian, you wanted to talk about the Senior Bowl. Uh, I, I honestly just wanted to drop a couple names out there, um, guys, that I think... You're a name dropper, are you? Yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> first one, Sidney Brown. He's a safety um, from University of Illinois. He is... Not the biggest guy, not the fastback guy, but he's kind of like Eric Rowe in that he can cover anybody uh, when Eric Rowe was locking down tight ends. Are you thinking we need a safety? I do. Okay. I'm thinking you need another guy who can uh, play drop down or... Cover you know, tight ends? Yeah, if you want to <laughs> have Javon Holland drop down too, you could play this guy back farther. I think it'd be a great opportunity. You got linebacker uh, Dion Henley was another guy who stood out. He's a three-down linebacker uh, out of Washington State. Played really, really well. You have Evan Hull, who's a running back for Northwestern. Um, they didn't have a very good season this year, but he was putting up, you know, 1,000-yard rushing seasons every year he's been there. He had a couple of really, really great runs, and I think he would fit this offense that we're looking to run. Yeah, I didn't pay too much attention to it, but what I did see time and time and time again is a running back named Spears out of Tulane. 
Mm-hmm. That's a guy whose stock has definitely risen. So we definitely need a running back. It'll be interesting to see if we can find a way to get one of these guys. Yeah, that's a problem they're going to have to solve because uh, we're clean out of running backs. Yep. So For the, those question is, yeah. the question For those, is, what, yeah. what do they want to invest in a running back? Because, you know, Greer hasn't been one to invest high draft picks into the running back position. So we'll just have to see. Nope, well, and the, I'll go back to this. I'm sorry, Ryan. I'll, no, 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 go uh, ahead. I'll go back to this. I said it uh, this last offseason, you know. McDaniel comes from the Shanahan coaching tree, and they're known for plucking these guys late round. So I wouldn't be surprised. I was surprised we didn't take one late round this year. I, I will be even more surprised if we don't take one late round this year. And there are several guys who have the potential to be good running backs that will be late round. Well, what do you think is more of a priority, a linebacker or a running back? Linebacker, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The running backs, these guys are, you know, a lot of them are interchangeable. You, the Jeff no, I'm, Wilsons, sure, I'm sure that's how Greer is thinking. Yeah, the Jeff Wilsons and the, the Raheem Mosterts are guys who are free agent pickups, right? So mm-hmm. they are guys who are effective, and we're going to find somebody like that. It's just interesting to see if it's going to be through the draft, and they come out of this senior bowl. And the reality is this senior bowl was not the – event that it has been in the last few years this was not your first round you know top 50 picks guys right this senior bowl was guys who were looking you know they're fighting for a day two spot really um even some of these players that we pointed out they're you know fifth sixth seventh round guys who in the right situation could step up um i don't think we're missing anything you know there's a couple of tight ends that looked really good that might be out of reach but for yeah. the most part, the guys that were in the Senior Bowl are, are going to be available when we're picking. I definitely agree with that. And there are several of them that mm-hmm. have the potential to be good NFL players. Yeah, you know, the end of the month starts the Combine, so we'll have that information as well. Boy, yeah. oh boy. It goes so fast, don't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before you know it, it'll be July, and we'll talk, be talking training camp. I hope so. Yeah, (laughs) just one more name I wanted to throw out, which Uh I think uh, Daniel would like this guy if he gave it some some thought. Uh, John Michael Schmitz, he's a uh, guard prospect out of Minnesota, big beefy boy, and I think watching this guy, if he came in, he would take Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson and kind (laughs) of just shove them aside and take that left guard spot. Well, if we're talking about guys we wish were here, uh, Fangio and McDaniel need to find a way to get in Greer's ear and go and make a trade and get Jack Campbell, the linebacker from Iowa. Mm. That guy is going to be a stud. That sounds like a homer pick. It's yep. not. Okay. I mean, I've seen him firsthand for several years, <laughs> but it's not. You start watching the draft coverage going into this year, you're going you're gonna to know that name. He's going to go early. Okay. All right, so we got a, a big game this weekend, right? The Super Bowl, one we wish we were playing in. Unfortunately, we're not. But uh, the two teams that are playing, I, I find it to be a uh, really intriguing matchup. You got Kansas City and their offense uh, against the Eagles and their defense. And, and the other thing about the Eagles, their offensive line is lights out. So yeah. uh, it's not going to be any kind of cakewalk for Kansas City. This is going to be a tough game. How, how are you guys looking at it? Yeah, when you said uh, we have a big game coming, I thought, wait, are we not allowed to say Super Bowl? Uh, <laughs> I never, I never really understood that. But uh, but anyway, I I am going to say something here that's really going to p- paint me into a corner 
And, and so I'm just going to go ahead and give you the description of that corner. I think I have become a uh, greatness hater. I think I've, be- <laughs> I think I've become a greatness hater. Uh, and it very well could stem from Marino never winning the Super Bowl, right? Uh, we're watching, we are in the midst already of a career like we haven't seen with, with Patrick Mahomes. Let's just be honest, you know. He is he's well, incredible. He's, he's, his athleticism is off the charts. He's yeah. incredible. And that you add the intangible stuff like him running for that first down on one leg during the AFC championship game. And you've got a player who is. That's one, two. It, he's just unlike anything we've seen recently. He's just, he's on another level. And I find myself hoping that the Eagles beat him for that reason. Like, I'd like, <laughs> I don't want to see him win another Super Bowl, but, uh, but I he do. He seems like a nice guy. I don't know what you have against him. No, I don't have anything against him. I, and I, <laughs> and I do. So I do want to see him win one as well, but I, I find myself fighting myself about it. Like, I, I see that. I, I, why would I want to see him win four, five, six Super Bowls and be in the conversation? Like, I want that to be our guy. So I'm, oh boy, I'm kind of torn. Started. I'm kind of torn. I, but I also don't want to see Jalen Hurts win a Super Bowl, right? Because he's the guy that Tua took over for in Alabama, and Tua is our guy. So <laughs> um, I'm I'm torn. Uh, what I do know that is that as a football fan, we have got a fantastic Super Bowl to look to look for this weekend. You've got. I always root for the AFC. Almost, almost always. Yeah, you've. You've got a couple of teams that are built in different ways too, and yeah. it's going to be. A, I, I'm I'm kind of rooting for Andy Reid, right? Over over either of the the teams and their players. I want to see Andy Reid bring home another Super Bowl and be talked about as one of the top coaches ever. Yeah, well, he he should be anyway. You know, he's he's a phenomenal coach. But uh, to get back to my selfishness <laughs> here. I always root for the AFC unless the Patriots are involved. Yep. Yeah. Simple as that, you know, yeah. uh, because I don't care much for Belichick. But, uh, you know, uh, the AFT, AFC is in there. I'm, I'm rooting for the AFC. So, obviously, I'm rooting for Kansas City. Uh, but, you know, I got no stakes in the game. I, I really don't care, you know. I, ha- I venture to say that if it was Buffalo, you wouldn't be rooting for them. But, you know, I digress. I actually like Josh Allen. I, I like some of the Bills players. Uh, you know, I just do. Uh, they're they're mm-hmm. fun to watch. So yeah. I, I don't I don't feel that way about them yet. Ask me in two or three years. You know, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. that may happen. You know, they'll get cocky and you know stupid. But so far, I like I like them. You know, there's nothing not to like about them. They're a good football team. I will say. I mean, as much as I don't like the Patriots, Gronkowski was one guy that I just couldn't not like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, big goof, big goofy guy. Big goofy dude, but <laughs> when it came time to to put in the work, he did it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. When in his prime, he was phenomenal. Absolutely. So, uh, who are you guys taking? So, had you told me, you know, going into the season that a former Alabama quarterback would be throwing to a former Alabama wide receiver in the Super Bowl, I would have been pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> but in this particular scenario, I'm going to be picking against them. I think Kansas City is going to win it. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome to see an Alabama quarterback throw into an Alabama receiver on both sides in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Sadly, that didn't happen, and and I tend to agree with Mike, though. I do find myself rooting AFC just because it's our conference, 
And I think Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way to do it. I think Philadelphia is going to score some damn points, though. And yeah, I, I believe that. Kansas City is not going to be able to just shut them down and stop them from scoring points. It's going to come down to the last possession, man. I, I think this is going to be a one-score game in the end. I think whoever has the ball last finds a way to win it. And I think it's going to be Mahomes. And if you if you look at both offensive lines, I think the Eagles have the edge, and that's that's the thing that concerns me about the Eagles because yeah. they're they're probably a better, well-rounded football team. Uh, but Kansas City can score, and you know we'll just have to see if if their offensive line can hold up. If they can, then I do like Kansas City. The thing yeah. is, Kansas City's been here before; they've done this, been yep. there, done that. Yep. It doesn't. I mean, as good as the Eagles look, they are they don't have this experience. There's right. a lot of there's a lot of interesting aspects of this Super Bowl. You got Andy Reid going against his former team that he had taken to yep. the NFC Championship mm-hmm. so many years. You've got two brothers playing against each other in the Super Bowl for the very yep. first time. You have the first time in NFL history that two black quarterbacks are starting the game for their respective teams. Mm-hmm. You've got the Jalen Hurts aspect where he had to transfer away from his school and, and then go try to win a Heisman somewhere else. And like, there's so many cool things, but I, I think as far as rosters go, I don't really think that it's much of a contest. I think Philadelphia is better at everywhere, but the quarterback. Yeah. It's hard to argue with that. But I think, I think the quarterback is going to be the one that makes the difference. And, uh, and Philadelphia ends up losing in Sirianni's second season. All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for this evening. Yeah, it was a good yeah. one. It was a really yeah. good one. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I thank you guys for joining me, and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week. Until then, fins up. Fins up. All right, that's today's show. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans podcast is proud to be part of DolphinsTalk.com podcast network and the Pigskin podcast network. Check out these sites, guys. There's lots of podcasts and information there that you'll enjoy. All right. Until next time, be well and take care.